Welcome to The Art of Selling Wine, the podcast for wine professionals and for professional wine nerds. And today I'm very happy to start this Bordeaux series with an interview of Piero, Pierrick Wejo, who is the manager of Au Quatre Coins du Vin, which is a wine bar in the center of Bordeaux. And it's quite an amazing wine bar. I really recommend you to go and visit. And uh, I've done that. I've had an amazing time with Piero, as you will now find out. And I came there with basically no knowledge about Bordeaux at all, except that yeah they kind of produce drinkable wines here so uh yeah i just went in there and said piero do me a favor explain bordeaux to me this episode is presented to you by wine plus wine plus is a german-based platform for wine professionals from all around the world It is written W-E-I-N dot plus, W-E-I-N dot plus. And all the episodes of The Art of Selling Wine and my German podcast, Wein Verkauft, are available in early access for the Wine Plus members. It's a free membership, so you don't have to pay. And you get two weeks early access to any episode. The Bordeaux series is also powered by Amorim Kork. Amorim Kork is partner of my German podcast and therefore they enabled me to do this whole endeavor in Bordeaux. And if you are currently looking for a new supplier of high quality cork, I recommend taking a look at Amorim Kork. And if you understand German, I also provide a nice German episode. I think it's number 62 with Gerd Reis. He's the CEO of the northern european division of amorim cork and we talk about the renaissance of cork and the future of closing closing systems for wine bottles this whole series the bordeaux series was made possible by a german company called euramobil euramobile you would pronounce it in english they produce high quality mobile homes and they provided me meaning my wife and me with a mobile home just for the trip to bordeaux And if you are interested in these kinds of things, I highly recommend going to The Art of Selling Wine episodes four, maybe five, and taking a look at our travel diary. In that episode, we talk about all the funny things we <laughs> got to see and uh, got to do in Bordeaux and all the accidents we had. And also, I give you a brief overview about the mobile home we were in and how living and working in a mobile home actually turned out to be. Additional partner for the French series is vitisphere.com. Whenever you want to find out about what's going on in French wine business, I highly recommend visiting Vitisphere. They are very helpful to our industry in France. The Bordeaux episodes were also supported by Bordeaux.com. It's the website of the Bordeaux Wine Growers Association, CIVB. And they supported me with giving me access to many, many, many of the interview partners that you are going to get to know in the following episodes. So here I am now in the center of Bordeaux and uh, I'm placed head to head with Piero, who runs Au Quatre Coins du Vin, one of the most recommended wine bars in Bordeaux city and I think also in Bordeaux area. And uh, I have some mysterious red wine in a glass in front of me. I have no idea what it is. I have no idea where it comes from. I suppose it comes from Bordeaux. Uh, but uh, yeah, so to make a small introduction, um, Piero, 
Pierrot. Sure. Doesn't really know uh, what I'm up to. I didn't prepare him and uh, I thought uh, he is a barkeeper, so he is used to conversation situations. And we will go full freestyle today. So um, instead of introducing you, I will shor shortly explain what is going to happen today. And then Perfect. we can get to know you. Okay, so uh, I am traveling Bordeaux. And uh, I'm an educated winemaker from Germany. I studied international wine business and transitioned to wine trade. So I had an own online shop. I, I worked for some major uh, wine merchants uh, from the Havesco group. Okay. Maybe you know them. Yep. And uh, lastly, I was um, in a big uh, online marketing platform for wineries. Okay. Winzer is it called in Germany. And I did the contracts with the wineries. And there I realized we have two things going on. Winemakers listen lots of podcasts because they have time in the vineyards yep. and they have questions about professional wine marketing. And there are only podcasts about wines for consumers. Mm -hmm. There's no professional B2B yeah. specialized on winemakers podcast. So this is what is happening here. So you can consider me somebody who is uh, a little, has a little knowledge in wine, but at the same time, I have absolutely no idea about Bordeaux. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so this is this is the setting and uh, today I'm here and I will try to do one one thing. So just imagine uh, some young pro wine professional coming from Australia, Mexico, okay. Germany, whatever and uh, he uh, has his holiday or he starts studying here or whatever and uh, I want to present him one of the first places he should go to, which I recommend is your bar. <laughs> okay. And how to start the Bordeaux journey. This is what we want to do today and okay. give, the, give the roadmap of what you have to experience, where you have to go, who you have to meet, stuff like this. Yeah? Okay, yeah, perfectly understand. Um, so two, you have two questions in your question. The yes. first one is how to help uh, winemakers to improve their, skill, their skills when they want to distribute their wine in their country and in other country. Uh, this is the first one, I guess. And the second one, Uh, what tips can I tell to someone who is coming in Bordeaux to visit the wine country yes. and discover the good places to, to drink, I guess, what to drink, what to avoid maybe, or the common mistakes when you are uh, coming in a new wine region. Mm -hmm. um, you want to start with the help to the winemakers or to start with the tips for Bordeaux? I would actually start with you. Okay. So uh, <laughs> let's let's go uh, uh, around and uh, talk about who you are and uh, what this business is that you run. Okay, uh, so who I am? It's a bit uh, unusual for uh, for a guy in Bordeaux uh, and who works in the wine uh, industry in Bordeaux to not come from Bordeaux because I'm absolutely absolutely not from the, the region. Uh, I come from a, a region in France called Auvergne. So straight in the middle with the volcano, uh, not especially known for the for the wines, um, probably most for the for the cheese. Blue cheese come from my region, uh, also the Michelin Company, the tire. So not especially wine region, but you can find uh, tremendous winemakers over there. Maybe we'll talk about that another day. Uh, but I wanted to 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 learn and to study in the wine industry, so I came in Bordeaux to do uh, my um, MBA in wine and spirits management in two different schools, uh, business school. The first one is in second, the second one is Kedge. And Kedge gets um, a partnership with the ESVV, 
Institut de la science de la vigne et du vin in Bordeaux. Uh, it's the same school uh, where people want to know uh, how to produce the wine go. Anologist, uh, anologue, on dit en français. Um, so uh, I, I did my two years of MBA here uh, to to learn and improve my skills in wine in general, of course, but also in Bordeaux, uh, because Bordeaux is a really, really tricky region. Uh, uh, many, many appellations, first, uh, different classements, 1855, les crues classées, uh, classement de Saint-Emilion, uh, uh, classement des crues bourgeois, uh, uh, classement des crues bourgeois, classement des crues artisans. So there are many, many uh, rankings, many, 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 many appellations, so first of all, it's a bit tricky. Uh, then you have a, a very, very specific system of uh, distribution for the wine. It's uh, a bit like a three-tier system in the U.S., but here it's just in Bordeaux, because you have the, the chateau, so the producer. Uh, then, at the end, you have the wine merchants, what we call the, the négociant. And then straight in the middle, uh, you have the broker, what we call courtier. And um, those three actors are... Um, Uh, it's, it's like an obligation if you want to sell the wine. You're the chateau, you produce the wine, you don't sell it to the customer. You sell it to the wine merchants through the broker. And they, they did it since ages in Bordeaux. They always did it. So um, it's really would it sometimes difficult to buy the wine directly to the, to the estate because they will refuse. They will probably not uh, sell you the wine. Mm. Uh, I, I have heard this before, so uh, I... I talk to some people right now and I'm trying to, to get to the core of this uh, en primeur market actually yeah, en primeur market, and um, so this is true for the high class chateaus exactly. this is not true yeah. for all of Bordeaux exactly. this market so yeah. it's it's one niche of the Bordeaux market yeah. and in terms of value it's it's very relevant it's in terms yeah. of in terms of uh, Quantity. Quantity, it's not so huge. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Okay, okay. Because it represents, like, for the quantity, I guess something like 5% of the Bordeaux production. Uh, but in, in value, it's like more than, than the half. It's really, really impressive. Uh, so, of course, if you want to buy the, let's say, the, the, the 100 more uh, influence uh, chateau in Bordeaux, you will have to go through the primer market. Or uh, if you want to pay the one cheaper. But then you have to wait like two years to get your bottles, or you can buy it uh, straight to the your seller. Uh, but then you will pay uh, a higher price. Uh, but of course, if you want to buy some, let's say, regular Bordeaux, uh, which are not uh, in rankings or classic uh, cl classic estates, that doesn't mean they are not good. That just means they they are not ranked. Uh, it will be much more easier, and also you will probably. Uh, buy the, the wine to the estates without any problem. Uh, for example, if I, if I look at the, at the bottles I sell here at the bar, uh, most of them you can buy it straight to the, to the estates, to the, to the producer. You don't have to go to, to a specific system. So, so once again, it's tricky because sometimes you have to, sometimes you don't. Depends. <laughs> so only in Bordeaux you will find it. And the, the, the strengths of this system for... Uh, For the big estates in Bordeaux, like the classé, uh, it's that they don't have to to own their uh, sales manager. Uh, in fact, this is the wine merchants who sell, who sell the wine. So you don't have to hire uh, a guy or a woman to sell the wine of the estate. Uh, 
you don't have to deal with that. You just have to produce the wine. Um, you get a lot of advantages because you don't have to pay uh, no one. But um, the inconvenience is that you you don't have your own salesperson. So they will sell the wine of the big Bordeaux, not of your estate in especially. You understand what I mean? Yes. Um, and the, the other parts, when you're not in this kind of system and you sell your wine directly to your customer, you say, oh, it's really easy. Yeah, but you have to sell your wine. And there are a lot of... Uh, of competitors in Bordeaux because you have like maybe 10,000 producers in Bordeaux. So it's huge. And uh, when you have to sell your wine on your own, it could be really difficult because how do you get people to know you? It's impossible. Actually. It's impossible. Yeah, it's, I mean, uh, as far as I understand, the whole Bordeaux area is comparable in size to Germany. We have 100,000 hectares of vineyards and roughly something about 10,000 winemakers. So uh, <laughs> this is... <laughs> my the country I come from is as complex as this one area yeah exactly. and uh, this is really really huge so um, yeah we can uh, lead this into two directions and uh, I would actually ask you to um, to to guide the conversation a bit because you are the professional in this term here um, so I want to explore if the en primeur market mm -hmm. uh, is still uh, modern and is, if it is beneficial or if it is uh, if it creates more dependency and problems actually for the whole region because Bordeaux is always um, associated with this yeah I know Bordeaux but I cannot afford it so I won't even try to this might be a problem and also um, for a producer if you have this uh, high dependency from the sales company I mean they can just basically say okay this is the price you get don't complain and um, For me, this seems a bit like a very medieval system. And uh, I talked to some persons here and they said, yeah, welcome in France. <laughs> so this, this is the one direction I'm really interested in. And the other one is just uh, getting to know the area and the terroir and the typical regions. So to understand about the wine yeah. and uh, maybe we can combine it somehow. I am here to learn. This is your show. Okay. <laughs> so maybe we can start with the... The first question, the first part of the question, uh, is this still a good system or is it starting to be an old system and we have to move to another one? Uh, the answer is also a bit tricky because it could be really easy to say, yeah, come on, it's ancient time. We have to move on to find new way of selling the wine. And it could be really easy to say that. But uh, in fact, uh, I think it could be a good system. First of all, you you create a lot of uh, of jobs. Sounds uh, very economic to say that, but first of all, you have to hire people at the estates, so they produce the wine, they have their job. Then you have the the wine merchants, who will um, buy the wine and hire uh, teams of uh, of people to say to 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 sell the wine. So jobs again, and in the middle you have the broker. The broker uh, for the imprimeur uh, market <coughs> uh, looks sometimes a bit uh, a bit silly because uh, we don't need him most of the time. When they say produce the wine, they say, okay, the wine is produced. Do you want the wine? The wine merchant says, okay, I take the wine. The deal is made. Why do you need the broker? So here it could 
looks a bit stupid if you're looking this market from outside and when you don't know the place de Bordeaux. Uh, because you say, okay, I'm going to give 3% of the, of the deal to a guy and the guy did nothing. Yeah, I mean, we have the comparable system uh, when it comes to selling bulk wine in Germany. So okay. um, the big sellers that uh, ship millions of bottles, they mm -hmm. buy bulk wine from everywhere. They sometimes buy directly and sometimes they buy via a commissionary system which uh, is better for ensuring the pay and ensuring mm -hmm. the wine quality and like so it, it, it has a reason to exist yeah. i don't know if it's uh, the same in other parts of the world i, I can imagine i guess I, i guess it exists for many many products not only the wine and uh, and that's the reason why i say sometimes we don't need him but sometimes you do and when you need him you're really happy to pay the guy also Uh, sometimes the wine merchants need the guy to find specific bottle of specific millisim for a specific estate. So do the négociants need the courtier or do the wineries need the courtier? Both. both. They both need. Okay. Because, uh, for example, the, uh, let's say the wine merchants is looking for 12 bottles of Mouton Rothschild 1963. Okay? Because this, this is the, the birthday of a guy. The guy wants 12 bottles for uh, the wedding or I don't know. So... Uh, At the, uh, at the, in Hong Kong, uh, the guy wants to, to do the anniversary, so he asks for uh, his, uh, let's say, his caviste, and the caviste asks to the importer, and the importer to the wine merchants, and the wine merchants to the broker. And the broker knows that sometimes another wine merchant got in his stock 12 bottles of Mouton Rochelle 1963. So the broker says, okay, I got a deal between those two people, but because I connected everyone, that's normal, you have to pay me. So it's a network at one. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Uh, that's all the job of a courtier. A courtier, all day long, is on the phone. Hey, how are you? No, no, this is uh, Michel from... Uh, uh, so how's your wife? How is, how is, uh, uh, oh, yeah, okay. Do you want to, to go to rugby with me? Uh, okay. Making good friends with everyone. And also he knows everyone, the needs of everyone, and what everyone gets. So when there's something to do, he knows who to call and can help everyone to do uh, good, good deals and uh, more uh, efficiently. So if you uh, at any time are in need of an international courtier, I just understand that this is exactly what I'm going to be because I travel the world <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I talk to all kinds of people in all places about the wine business. Funny. Okay. Um, so, yeah, that's the, the courtier system. And um, so... Uh, <clears throat> these uh, companies that sell the wine, they are often family-owned and since hundreds and hundreds of years. Um, most of the time, but it's changing because uh, uh, as every family in the world, sometimes people people die or then the next generation don't want to do the same job. Or so screw up. Yeah, yeah. or screw up. So, <laughs> so it's 50 years ago, it was really true. Mm. Now, a bit less, but still there is a big uh, family prince in Bordeaux. Mm. Do you, do you have a knowledge or opportunity about uh, the effect this Primeur market has on the equality or inequality of wealth distribution in the wine industry here? Um... Because I can imagine that it is in place to extract a huge amount of the wealth production mm -hmm. and keep it in some very few hands, actually. Yes, uh, this is the, the system of what we call uh, allocation. Uh, that means, for example, let's say the one estate produces uh, 1,000 of boxes of wine. Uh, since uh, years and years, they 
distribute their 1000 cases a bit to the same people because it's like that they they did the that's what we call gentleman agreements it's not worth every uh, anywhere but this estate know uh, knows that every year he sell uh, one uh, 100 boxes to this one merchants and it's not going to change because they they did the job every year they did the deal every year every everyone is happy so this is a bit for the old wine merchants and the old estate because now new generation like me can be uh, uh, in charge of the distribution for the estates, and they say, okay, uh, we we sold uh, every, everything to uh, all the same people since uh, thirty years. Are they doing a great job with our wines? Are they selling it to the good people, to the right person everywhere in the world, or are they just uh, taking the one hundred boxes we gave them? sell it to the same customer who's going to sell to uh, I don't know who. So we're going to ask them, are you doing the job correctly? And we're going to check if you do the job correctly. And then if you don't do that distribution uh, process correctly to sell a bit everywhere in the world, we're not, going to you, we're not going to give you 100 boxes next year, but only 10 boxes. And we're going to take these 90 boxes and split it to new actors, a new generation that wants to to do the job better and to respect what we want. So the winery has the freedom of decision to sell to other people. Yeah, sure. Yeah, the winery can can split the their one thousand boxes and and give it to only four wine merchants, for example. Or if they want to sell it to thirty different wine merchants, they can. And do you think the wineries would have problem if they? said okay i will change distribution or would they would people around the world say oh nice now i have a chance to get this wine and just so overrun it, it, them it happens uh, not uh, not uh, many years ago uh, i think it's quite new uh, chateau latour which is the premier grand cru classé 1855 one of the biggest one of the most important they decided to stop the the primer system so they say the Okay, guys, uh, we think we don't need you anymore. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna sell our wine uh, on our own, like we want. We we don't gonna use the the, the premier system with the broker and the wine merchant. So thank you for everything. Goodbye. Mm. And uh, it creates a lot of trouble in the in the Bordeaux market, wine market. Uh, it was like a Uh, big bang in the <laughs> in uh, in Bordeaux, uh, also because this is a, a really really important estate, Chateau Latour. Uh, so it creates a lot of uh, incompression and uh, frustration for the wine merchants. But I think now it's okay because it was few years few years ago, and people are okay with that. Do you happen to know people who were involved in that from one of the other side? Uh, I know a lot of wine merchants, so I know how they how they react to to this. Uh, the old generation, of course, was uh, a bit upset, but the new generation understand perfectly what they why they do that. Because this would be very very interesting to talk about with persons involved. Yeah, I, I can connect you with uh, wine merchants. Uh, yeah, this would be this would uh, be awesome. Also, a uh, new generation uh, is the same age than me. That's one of my best friends. And you get a, like a new vision on the on the market, not the the old-fashioned way of doing things like 30 years ago, where the guy always do the same deal with the same guy every year and every year and every year. 
So it's interesting to talk with him. Uh, also, he's not from Bordeaux. So because we are not from Bordeaux, we are objective. We're, of course, if your father and your grandfather did the same job for years and years, and you're the, the grandson, and you arrive, and you want to respect their tradition, and you hear guys like me say, uh, yeah, it's a bit stupid because the guy don't do the job correctly, so we have to find new partners, etc. You can be upset. But because we are not from Bordeaux, we have a new eye, and we we don't uh, we don't need to uh, to respect uh, centuries of uh, of agreements. If you understand what what I, what I mean by that, yeah, I think I do. Mm. And so uh, you, as a merchant, you are specialized in selling wines that I could buy at the estate. Also, or do you uh, have both? Yeah, like sure, I, I get both. Uh, for example, if, if you are, if you want to drink a cru, a cru classé uh, on the waitlist, I will probably uh, sell you wine that go through the Primer Market. But uh, I also know producers, and I work uh, uh, directly with them. So they, they they produce the wine and they bring the wine directly in the in the bar. So that kind of wine you can also buy it to the to the estate. Yeah. Cool. Okay, I think we can uh, we can move away from the Primeur market because uh, Bordeaux is, uh, in terms of quantity, it's mainly more the other wine. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. so, and this is what I'm interested in because uh, when people come here, they have to discover all of Bordeaux. And um, yeah, maybe we start with just the wine we have in our glasses. What is it? Where does it come from? And we have a map here of Bordeaux <laughs> open next to us. And uh, yeah, please introduce me to this area and to this wine. Okay, so here, you, for example, you're not drinking a wine that goes through the premium markets. Uh, this one is produced by a guy I know. Uh, he was in the bar yesterday and he will, he will probably come tonight. Uh, this estate is uh, particularly interesting because they are not... Um, famous estate at all. Um, they are not on the area of production really, really famous. Uh, so they are not on the left bank, for example, in the Midoc. Uh, they are near Saint-Emilion, but not on, on uh, Saint-Emilion appellation. Um, they are in Entre-deux-Mers, so huge, huge, huge wine region on the right, uh, in the south of Saint-Emilion. Mm -hmm. You see probably over there. Yes. You don't see quite good, but... Uh, and here you have a lot of estates, small estates, uh, looks more like farmers than anything else. Uh, so it's really agriculture. And I think people have to remember that wine is agriculture. Sometimes in Bordeaux it's fancy, or in Champagne, in Burgundy, etc. You get big bottles, uh, thousands of euros bottles. And it's amazing when you can drink this wine, and sometimes quite interesting. But most of the time, The wine could be more simple and made with simple people that are, uh, yeah, like farmers, winemakers. It comes from the soil. It's not really sexy to see how the wine is produced sometimes. But that, that's the thing. That's a, that's a produce that comes from the earth. And it's important to, yeah, to, to remember that. And also with this wine, quite interesting because they produce different type of red on this estate. Uh, really simple Bordeaux-style uh, wine good for every day and they produce this one which is a specific cuvee from the estates so this wine uh, yeah specific cuvee just like i told you um, they realized that on the estate they got specific soil at specific places with specific um, 
uh, vine, and they decided to isolate it on the on the estate and to try to produce with these small plots the best wine they can do. So because uh, they didn't know how to produce um, a premium wine, they asked for help of uh, of uh, winemakers because in Bordeaux, most of the time you can find people that you call consultants. Uh, and those consultants can help you to improve the quality of your wines. So they come to your estate, they uh, analyze uh, the soil with you, they talk about the uh, about your terroir, about your, uh, your style, uh, what you have in the estates to produce, and then they can help you to reach a better quality. So they ask to a guy, which is the same consultant done for Cheval Blanc. Cheval Blanc, which is a really famous wine of the uh, right bank in Bordeaux, in Saint-Emilion, one of the, let's say, the, the top wine of Saint-Emilion. And they asked this guy to help them to produce a big wine like, like Cheval Blanc. So they did everything like, uh, let's say, a fruit classé. And it's a small estate, but because they improved their skill and they, they tried different techniques of production, they reached this quality of, uh, of wine. And this wine, if you put it in, on, the, on the blind taste with several people who are tasting and that also people who know uh, Bordeaux really well, they will figure it out and say, okay, it's a, it's a big bottle. It's a, it's, a, it's a big wine, really good, high quality, uh, uh, but they will probably don't know that it's come from Entre-de-Mer. Uh, because they did a, such a great job, it could be like a cru classé. Mm -hmm. Understand what, what I mean? Yeah, I understand. And, um, I mean, the, <laughs> the big question is, uh, if it is comparable to Cheval Blanc, uh, um, you understand the question? I understand perfectly. Um, It's not comparable to Cheval Blanc for many reasons. Of course, the, so the soil is not the same. You can fake the soil. The soil is the soil. If you don't have the same soil, you will not produce the same wine. Um, and that's maybe the most important. Also, the, the type of, of vine you use. Um, le, le type de cep, comme on dit en, en français. Uh, because in Cheval Blanc, they got their own uh, uh, selection Of vine. Yeah, so say they select their own uh, plants. Yeah. And yes, so you have different different clones. Yeah, that's uh, what we call selection massal, maybe massal selection mm -hmm. in English. Mm -hmm. So of course it's not going to be the same the same grapes, so not the same wine. Also the yeast are not the same. So we really are to com to compete with Cheval Blanc, and also you can't compete with the history of Cheval Blanc. Cheval Blanc is Cheval Blanc. Uh, yes. And uh, so this one is Chateau du Bernat. It will always stay Chateau du Bernat. They, they will probably not reach the same level of um, of, of fame. And a price point would be? Uh, <laughs> less than Cheval Blanc. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think this one, if you go uh, directly to the estates, it will be something like... Uh, so something like 60 euro a bottle. Uh, so compared to a bottle of Cheval Blanc, less less expensive, of course. But yeah, at the end, you the only way to compare the wine could be like a blind taste. You open several bottles of <coughs> several bottles of Right Bank, including Cheval Blanc and uh, this one, Secret des Quatre. So um, what I want to guide you to is actually another thing. So um, if I imagine uh, younger persons coming here who are not super wealthy but they want uh, to get an idea of the taste, of the real, real good Bordeaux taste. Um, what what uh, chateaus should they go to, to, for example, like this? Is this 
somewhat comparable mm -hmm. to this uh, Cheval Blanc wine. Yep. It is not the same, but it is also somewhat affordable. Yep. And uh, this might be a very good uh, direction to guide this podcast to, to tell the people who say, okay, we can spend some money, not huge amounts, mm -hmm. but to get the best out of Bordeaux. What yep. do we have to do? Uh, come here. Come here, of course. <laughs> uh, talk with, uh, you, you can come to Bordeaux, go uh, in different wine, wine bars, ask them for their, their crush. Uh, what, uh, ask them for their, their winemakers that they, that they like and uh, ask them for good value for money and we're going to give you plenty of examples because most of the time people think about the Cru Classé, of course, and, uh, and so it's really expensive, but... If you ask me what is one of the wines that I loved when I started to drink uh, wine from Bordeaux, I will tell you Chateau Le Puy. Chateau Le Puy is quite known now uh, because of, uh, you maybe know the manga, Les Gouttes de Dieu. So it's a really, really famous manga in, uh, in Asia called Les Gouttes de Dieu. So that uh, the main, main topic is the, the wine in this manga, of course. And uh, in one of the books, you can find a bottle of Chateau Le Puy, and they say that it, um, the estate is really good. And for example, starting from this manga, the renown of the estate I, I, I don't know if I am explode. going to uh, ruin my uh, street credibility, but I do not get the word. Mon manga? Manga. What is manga, this? The, the kind of... Um, it's like a comics book from Asia. Manga? Manga! 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 <laughs> ah, now we're talking. I'm, I'm always thinking, like, what is he talking about in the wine business? Is he talking about a sommelier, something in, in the restaurant, chef, whatever? Okay, manga! Manga! So uh, they, they, they were featured in a manga. Exactly, and starting now, with this, ah, they became really, really famous. Oh, that's funny. How did they do this? <laughs> uh, so now they are really famous uh, in Asia, but of course they're famous in France. But not from the same reason. Can you repeat the name? I want yeah, to sure. It's uh, so it's but Château Le Puy. Château. Château. Plus loin. Uh, le. Le. Plus loin. Puis. P U Y. P U Y. Puis. Puis. Exactly. Puis. Um, and the story of the family is uh, is really interesting because they own the estates since uh, four centuries. Can you introduce me to them? Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure, sure, so nice. sure, sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking for stories like this, like uh, marketing success stories that are and, uh, entertaining. The, the wine is amazing, and uh, the best marketing is uh, their history. Because everything is true. Uh, uh, for example, they're um, pioneers in the organic and biodynamic wine in Bordeaux, because they did it since a uh, long time ago. And uh, when you ask them for the, let's say, the biological... Uh, the vision of the of the of the vineyards, the organic vision of the vineyards, they will tell you the truth. At the beginning of the 20th century, uh, we start to use um, petrochimie in the, mm -hmm. in the vineyards, so to prevent uh, uh, the bad the bad RBC, exactly everything. Sorry. And they did not use it in Chateau Le Puy, never, never, never. And you ask them why. Uh, is it a vision that you have uh, centuries ago? And they said, no, it's because uh, when they came to see our grandfather, uh, like 100 years ago, they say, oh, okay, now you can stop wasting uh, 12 hours a day in the, in the vineyards and you can use it in one hour. So you keep 11 hours for you to do uh, something else, enjoy your family, etc. At this time, everyone say, ah, yeah, that's clever. I'm going to use it and keep 11 hours a day for me. But in, the, in this family, in Chateau Le Puy, 
Monsieur Amoro, the, the, the great grandfather, uh, didn't want to pay them for this product. So he said, oh, "Okay, I'm gonna spend 11 hours a day in the field. Uh, it suits me." And so he preserved, uh, without knowing it at this time, he preserved the soil of Chateau Le Puy. And so they got an amazing terroir, an amazing soil, and they produce uh, tremendous wine. Um, and it, you, it's, it's still affordable because the Cuvée um, Emilien from the Chateau Le Puy, if you go to, to your cavist, you can find it for, uh, let's say, the cheapest would be 25 to 32. It's a good price, 25 to 32 for um, Chateau Le Puy Emilien. And then they got other uh, cuvées, for example, Bar Barthélemy, which is uh, uh, quite uh, better in terms of quality, uh, selection of the, of the grapes, etc. But it's more expensive. Also, they got uh, an incredible cuvée called um, Retour des îles. That means uh, returns of the island, uh, uh, coming back from the islands. And they try to, um, to recreate the wine that we made centuries ago by taking three barrels full of, of wine from Chateau Le Puy, put it in a, in a boat um, and do uh, like the, a, a world tour with the boat and brings uh, spices from different uh, countries and put it in the boat with the barrels to, ah, rec so to, to, to recreate, recreate uh, the, the trade exactly. aging in, exactly. the, in the old yeah. wooden ships. Man, you are so fancy here in this yeah. area. I, just, I mean, it comes from space age Petrus to something like this. It's, it's, <laughs> and yeah. uh, is this marketing or does it really change the wine? Your opinion. Uh, I didn't have the chance to try the wine because it's really, really expensive. Uh, I think it's 350 euros a bottle. Um, and also they produce only three barrels. So really hard to find first and really expensive in second. Uh, but their wine are really impressive. Their wine are really, really, really impressive. Uh, that's yeah, one of my favorites in, in Bordeaux. Mm -hmm. and, uh, okay, and where are they, are they located? Uh, so they are in Bordeaux Côte de France, next to a village called Saint-Cybard. I don't know any of the names um, you say. So this is there, Franc Côte de Bordeaux. Ah oui. Okay, and on this small appellation, you will find um, a village called Saint-Cybard, and it's not far from Saint-Cybard. Saint-Cybard. I can remember this. It's a very famous brand in Germany. Saint-Cybard? Saint-Cybard. Oui. This is where you get the expensive wines in Germany. Uh, okay. Et um, après, j'étais là. <laughs> After I've visited them, where do I go next? Uh, yeah, this is if you want to, to have a, a, good, a good wine from uh, Francote de Bordeaux. But of course, you can find uh, that same story for every appellation in Bordeaux. Oh, wait, oh, wait. Le, le, We, we do this in a different way. Um, <clears throat> I know that um, for people from Bordeaux, uh, they are used to drink a Médoc, drink yep. a Saint-Emilion. And um, <clears throat> if they leave the area, they sometimes get confused when people order a Cabernet Sauvignon. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, maybe um, it's, it's clever to understand uh, why the terroir is so important here. I mean, yes, it is bland and mm -hmm. it's typical. Uh, maybe you can guide us a bit through the typicality of the different regions so that the people yeah. listening uh, can go. Uh, the, the best thing they could do is go to a big wine merchant and mm -hmm. grab from each region that we talk about yeah. one bottle so that, and they can 
try it while listening to this podcast. <laughs> Something <laughs> that, like this, that could okay? be really, really interesting. Yeah, to, to get an yeah. idea of what we're and, talking about. And that, that's okay. true that in France, we don't have a lot of bottle with the name of the grape variety on it. Uh, in, in Bordeaux, it will, it's, it's, it will be uh, unusual to find a bottle without the appellation and write in big Merlot, for example. Uh, it's starting to change because... Uh, Uh, even in Bordeaux, they now understand that most of the people in the world know the grape variety and not especially the appellation. Depends uh, the type of customer that you want to reach. So if you're uh, selling, let's say, a classic wine, an, an everyday wine, uh, and you're a producer of Bordeaux, it could be interesting to put Cabernet Sauvignon on it because it will uh, talk to much more people than if you put Castillon Côte de Bordeaux. People are not supposed to know that in Castillon, Côte de Bordeaux, you will find Cabernet Franc or Merlot or Cabernet Sauvignon. I mean, I'm living proof for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I understand that because uh, you're not supposed to know uh, you're not supposed to know the exact uh, uh, specificity uh, of each wine region in Bordeaux because we have like uh, 60 appellations. Uh, if people have to learn uh, what is the typical blend of each wine region. Uh, It will be very complicated. But to give you, a, let's say, a, a, a common rule for Bordeaux, most of the time, if you're drinking something from the left bank, uh, let's say from the Medoc, so it will be... Uh, so wait, left bank, uh, when just I, I start in the city and I look down the river as it floats into the ocean and then left side. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Imagine so. you're uh, in the water. Uh, if you go to the ocean on, the, on, on your left, it's the left bank. So you're in the water, you go to the ocean. On yes. the left, left bank. On the right, right bank. Okay. Really easy. So if you're on the left bank, uh, including the appellation of uh, Medoc up north, uh, Omedoc, and also all the uh, city appellations, such as... Uh, Saint-Estève, Pauillac, Saint-Julien, uh, Margot, Moulis, and Listrac. Most of the time, you will drink a, a bold red wine with majority of Cabernet Sauvignon. This is the left style, uh, left Bordeaux style, uh, majority of Cabernet Sauvignon. Because of the, also because of the weather, because the Cabernet Sauvignon um, will be ripe uh, after the Merlot. Okay, So you have to plant it on the specific soil and specific weather that allows you to um, to reach the, the perfect ripeness of the of the Cabernet Sauvignon. Um, in on the right bank, also in Saint Emilion, the main grape variety will be the Merlot. Wait, Saint Emilion is where exactly? Saint Emilion uh, must be over there. So let's let's do it like this. Uh, the city is here, city of Bordeaux, yep. and we just say at three o'clock, four o'clock. Where, where are we? Saint Emilion is uh -huh. is like uh, <laughs> three o'clock from <laughs> from Bordeaux. From Bordeaux. Okay. Yeah. All right. And there will be a majority of uh, of Merlot, um, Merlot Cabernet Franc, uh, most of the time. Um, also, it's not because the appellation. Uh, it's, it's not because everyone produces, for example, Cabernet Sauvignon on the left bank that you are uh, supposed to produce also a Cabernet Sauvignon on the left bank. You can use seven... Uh, I think Wait, so the, the winery in Saint-Emilion uh -huh. often also produces here, so they have wine vineyards everywhere. Uh, depends, 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 yeah, but sometimes a uh, uh, company, for example, own uh, five estates in Bordeaux, so they will have uh, two on the Médoc, genre one in Omédoc and one in Pauillac, then one in Saint-Emilion and on a, another one in Sauternes, for example. You can find a lot yes. of companies that owns a different estate like this. Okay. Also, because um, 
that kind of company are sometimes also wine merchants. So it's good for them to have one estate in every part of Bordeaux. So when they sell the wine, they sell different uh, style of Bordeaux. When I looked for people to talk to, I checked the family uh, Seychelles. Seychelles, right? Yep. Uh, this is an example of this. Ex exactly. Okay. Exactly. Good example. And you can find uh, several um, several families like that or companies like that. But yeah, you, you can keep in mind that if you're drinking a left bank, it will be a majority of Cabernet Sauvignon most of the time. And if you're drinking a right bank, so like all the, the, all the other separation, it will be a majority of Merlot. So you, in, in, a, in terms of amount, quantity, mm -hmm. you have much more Merlot than Cabernet Sauvignon. Exactly, yeah. Okay. If you're looking for the, the percentage of Merlot planted in Bordeaux, uh, for the percentage of the red planted, it will be something like uh, 70%, I guess. Um, then you will find uh, other uh, grape variety for the red. You will find also Cabernet Sauvignon, Merlot. Um, can we can we add this with uh, some wine? Because uh, this is Cuvée right now from yep. Entre Deux Mers, which mm -hmm. is basically known for Sauvignon and Sauvignon Blanc. Yeah, white, <laughs> exactly. White yeah, right. Can can you maybe uh, show me some examples so that I get an idea of what we are talking about, and uh, also maybe you recommend some places for people to check uh, on which appellation. I'm not sure. Uh, Cabernet Sauvignon? Like. Yep. Uh, so, for example, if you want to try something typical from the left bank, uh, from the Medoc, um, you can try uh, Domaine du Jogueron. Uh, so it's uh, uh, J-A-U-G-U-E-Y-R-O-N. So they are located in Margot. Margot Appellation, they produce like uh, one Omedoc, so it's their, let's say, their general wine, and also uh, they produce Margot. For so example. for the people listening, I just uh, got an idea, uh, I, I write down all the names and I will create a downloadable <laughs> list, so you can come and uh, get my newsletter, <laughs> and if you get my newsletter, uh, in exchange I will pre pre provide you with this list yeah also if you want, uh, if you want uh, at the end i can write down a, a list of uh, essay that i uh, truly recommend very very nice uh, on uh, every appellation because if, if we have to mm -hmm. go through it uh, right now it's uh, too much it's too yeah. much yes, yeah yes, i got yes, too, yes, too yes, many yes. ideas yes. to give you uh yeah, but yeah basically you have this idea. list it's your wine card i would guess uh yes n not every time because sometimes i get uh, estates that i really really appreciate personally uh but sometimes i know that. Um, the customers will probably not like the wine like me mm -hmm. because uh, my taste is not the taste of uh, everyone. Mm. Uh, so, for example, uh, yeah, I, I know a taste uh, that I really like that I can drink on Sundays with friend or a meal, but I don't sell it uh, in the wine bar. Okay, so to come back, uh, left bank, Cabernet Sauvignon, right mm -hmm. bank, Merlot, especially Saint-Demillon. Yep. And uh, from there, we move let's say, up to <laughs> more than 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock <laughs> from Bordeaux. What's going on there? Uh, yeah, th this wine region is also interesting. No, um, so the, the name is Blaye Côte de Bordeaux and also Côte de Bourg, a bit, a bit south. Uh, it's a huge wine region. Uh, it, not really famous in Bordeaux and people don't drink a lot of wine from this wine region because they are known for cheap wines and uh, simple wines. Uh, and they're, yeah, how to say it, they're not really, yeah, not famous. They're not trendy. 
it's not too easy rides, but you can find uh, really, really good stuff over there um, with really, really good value for money because they are not famous. It's not trendy wines. So it's hard for them to sell it in France or in other countries because they don't have the... Reputation. Uh, yeah, this reputation. Say, hey, we're from Saint-Emilion. Do you want uh, my wine? Oh, yeah, Saint-Emilion. Big Saint-Emilion. Okay, super. I, I, I buy it. Um, so you can find really, really good deal. Uh, I, I'm thinking about one. I write it down at the end. And uh, sometimes the wine could be really, really amazing. The thing is, they don't get the same soil than on the left bank. Because if you're thinking of the left bank, which is just across the river, uh, the soil is not the same. Because a uh, thousand years ago, this was under the water. Mm -hmm. Okay, It was the ocean. Yes. Not here, because it's a hill. So the soil here is uh, a former ocean. Ah, okay. So you get uh, specific... Uh, specific minerals in the soil because of the former ocean. And you don't have it over there. So you're uh, three kilometers away, but you produce something completely different because of the soil and because of the, the weather, because you're across the river. But still, you can find amazing wine over there and really, really good value for money too. Okay, so this was Côte de Bourg and... Uh, Côte de Bourg and Blaye Côte de Bordeaux. Which is the orange one on this map here, like this big area. Um, I'm not quite sure you have um, wine over there. Okay, so this is uh, this is a rural area. Then we have a three o'clock Saint Emilion and the other small one. What is this? Saint Emilion and also ah, Pomerol. Okay. Yeah, uh -huh. so you have uh, Fronsac, Canon Fronsac, Clermont de Pomerol, and Pomerol. Uh, really, really small appellation. Um, in Pomerol, it will be high value wine. Most of the time, a bit, uh, and then less expensive if you're going Fronsac, Canon Fronsac, and La Lande de Pomerol. Uh, quite the same terroir, but uh, not exactly the same. So the, the wines are, are cheaper. Because in Pomerol, you will find, for example, Petrus, uh, because there are a specific type of um, argile, so it's argile in French, it should be clay, mm -hmm. maybe in, uh, in English. And this is the This uh, this blue clay from Pomerol that uh, creates an amazing terroir. And so if I want to do some uh, sightseeing, this is the area I will go to. Yeah, yeah. The, the yeah, big chateaux. Yeah, big chateaux, big estates. Yes. Uh, and I think you can visit some wineries in Pomerol. They will open in the doors for you. Uh, quite interesting to, to try. I can also... Yeah, no, not just for me personally, but in the sense yeah. of uh, when, I, when I'm here and I'm traveling the region uh, and I want to look at the big chateaus, the buildings, uh, yep. this is where I need to yeah, go Yeah, sure, sure, definitely. Okay. Uh, but maybe the most impressive will be yeah, in Saint-Emilion and also on the left bank, on okay. the Médoc. Le, there is what we call la route des châteaux on the mm -hmm. Médoc, so the, the road of the, of the chateau. And you will find all the, the big estates, uh, all the cru classés mm -hmm. on the same road. Uh, it's really, really beautiful. And sometimes the, the chateaux are quite uh, interesting to, to look and to visit. Uh, so yeah, the Medoc is really interesting to do. Also, the rain region near Sauternes is really, really beautiful. Uh, Sauternes is Sauternes. known for the sweet white wine. Exactly, yes. yeah. It's an amazing wine. Uh, yeah. When you're talking about Sauternes, you're talking about a wine that can be produced only here in the world. It's... Uh, Where exactly are we? Just over there. Just over there. So we are at five o'clock from Bordeaux. <laughs> yeah, the down south. It's like 45 minutes from Bordeaux to go to Sauternes. 
Um, and it's really, really beautiful. The wine is, is incredible. Uh, so you have also a system of cru classé in Sauternes. Uh, so you have three stages. The, the first one, and there's only one, is for Ikem. Mm-hmm. It's cru cla- Grand Cru Classé Supérieur. Ah, so you talk about an area, not about Chateau d'Ikem. Uh, Ikem is, is, is a chateau in the area of Sauternes. And also an appellation. Nope. But you just said Ikem. Did you talk about the chateau? Yeah, or? Ikem. Chateau Ikem. Ah, I thought you were talking about an appellation. Uh, chateau okay. Ikem. Okay. Yes. Yeah, they are famous. And uh, <laughs> yeah, you really have to, if you come to Bordeaux, uh, you really have to visit this specific region of Sauternes. Uh, also because, like I told you, this is the only place in, lo- in the world where you can produce Sauternes. Because of the specificity of the, of the soil, first. And of the of the weather, because you get um, a small uh, river called the Siron that goes in a big river, uh, La Garonne. And when the small one goes in the big one, it creates um, specific fog in September, October, November that helps um, the mushrooms to develop inside the grapes, and it creates what we call the noble rot, yes. la pourriture noble, and it allows the the water to go out of the grapes and the sugar to concentrate and then you can produce the wine that you know the wine of Sauternes yes. uh, yeah so uh, you you can know um, I was trained as winemaker in uh, Rheingau area <laughs> so <laughs> I, I know a bit yeah. about this noble rot I guess and uh, interesting interesting cool and uh, the variety of Sauternes which is it? Uh, so it, it will be uh, Sémillon um, Sauvignon Gris and uh, Muscadel I guess. That's the three. Sauvignon Gris? Sauvignon Gris, yeah. Ah, this is very rare. Yeah, yeah quite unusual. But uh, uh, Sémillon, Sauvignon Gris, Muscadel. I think it's the, f- the three main grape varieties for the Sauternes. I have to check, but mm-hmm. I guess it's a good one. And over there, you can find really, really good restaurants also to eat. Um, uh, so there's one in, in, uh, situated in an est- located in an estate. Uh, so it's Chateau Guiraud. It's a classé. And they got a restaurant uh, inside the inside the chateau called uh, La Chapelle de Guiraud. That's really, really beautiful and you can eat uh, really, really good stuff over there. Nice. What else? We've been in Sauternes. Where do we go next? Um, so, yeah, you have to do Sauternes. You have to do the, the Médoc. Uh, you have to go in Saint-Emilion, in Pomerol. It's really beautiful. And, uh, of course, in Bordeaux. You can... You, You, you can visit uh, estates located near Bordeaux. For example, if you go in Pessac-Léonien. Uh, this is uh, right below Bordeaux, in this yeah. case. So at, at, at six o'clock. <laughs> six exactly. So just down south. Just down o'clock. south and uh, west a bit. Mm. Like this is, and mm. th- this appellation is called Bordeaux. Bordeaux, uh, Pessac-Léonien. Ah, so not the whole thing is Bordeaux. The whole thing is Bordeaux. Everything and, is Bordeaux. If and this, pro- is, this is also Bordeaux yeah. as appellation. If you produce your wine everywhere uh, on this map, you yeah. can call your wine Bordeaux. It will be the... Ah, so the, not, not only from here. No, 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 no. Bordeaux is everywhere. Yeah. Uh, and what is... Why is this also Bordeaux? I mean, this is... <laughs> <laughs> you understand uh, the question? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's like uh, compare it to a country. Uh, you, if you're there or there or there, yeah. you can call your wine... Bordeaux appellation because yes. you're producing a wine with the grape variety allowed by the appellation yes, yes. and you're located in Bordeaux. Yes. Then if you are more specific, you produce a wine, uh, for example, here, you can call it Bordeaux, but Omedoc. Omedoc. Okay. Yes. And also if you're producing a Margot, 
you're producing a wine from Bordeaux, you're also producing a Medoc, but you're producing a Margot. Margot is the, the it, village. It's the village, exactly. Yes. And the appellation. Yeah, okay, I get the system, but I, I thought that this special area would also be called uh, Bordeaux. Nope. No, I, I misunderstood uh, you. Yeah. <laughs> ah, okay. yeah, Bordeaux is everywhere. Was, uh, yes, that, that's what totally confused me. So this is uh, Pessac... Pessac Léonien. Léonien. Uh, the appellation is famous also because of uh, Aubryon. Chateau Aubryon, which is the first grow, un premier cru classé. Uh, and it's the only uh, first grow, uh, which is not on the Médoc, on the left bank. It's the only wine, uh, the only one who is uh, down south. And what are they doing well that all the others aren't doing here? Uh, <laughs> it's not because they, they, they're doing well or not, uh, because in, in 1855, when they did the ranking, It was uh, not with the quality of the wine. Uh, it was with uh, with the uh, exports uh, balance sheets. Uh, they they look at the, um, the the book of the Chamber of Commerce, and they they were looking for the estate, Bordeaux estate that sell the wine everywhere in the world. In 1855. Ah, okay, okay. So uh, here again, I have to uh, apologize because I have really, I'm, I'm not really prepared for Bordeaux, but I did this on purpose. Uh, I have heard this uh, number, 1855, yep. 55, mm -hmm. several times now. So 1855 is the date that yep. the whole ranking, ranking of chateaus yep, was done. Was Still alive today. Still alive today. Okay, let's go into that. Explain. <laughs> so, um, I, I, they looked at the checkbooks. Yep. And they said, okay, these chateaus export X amount. Yep. The, that's, uh, and they also look at uh, the price they sold at this time. So, if you sold at this uh, in 1855 a lot of wine at a high price, you were the best of Bordeaux. That was their uh, way of doing the rankings in 1855. And it uh, didn't move since. Only once. Only once uh, and only for one estate, uh, Chateau Mouton Rothschild. Uh, Chateau Mouton Rothschild was a second grow and now they are first grow. It's the only time the, the rankings uh, moved forever. Okay, so it is based not so much on taste, but more on economics. Yep. So you can say, okay, this is stupid. Come on. The, yeah, the wine I'm is something you taste. Uh, I'm, I'm sure it makes sense from a certain perspective. From another perspective, I would say, okay, the people creating the wines today are not the people creating the wines 170 years yep. before. So uh, the wines have changed, but the <laughs> the rankings haven't changed. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. So what's what's your opinion on that? Uh, also, this is really really interesting when you talk about Bordeaux, the the ranking from 1855, because you can say, okay, guys, you do this ranking based on the the price you sold the wine at this time uh, and the number of boxes you sold at this time. This is completely stupid. Uh, But if you're thinking uh, the opposite, you say, okay, why did they sell this amount of wine at this time? And why did they sell uh, at a higher price than everyone else? That there must be a reason. And you can say, okay, people pay the, 
a high price at this time for this wine because they were the better. And if they were the better at this time, it's because they got the, the best soil, the best plots, uh, the best exposition to the sun, the best weather. So it's probably also the best now. But uh, couldn't you also argue, I mean, I, I totally don't know, I pull this out of mm -hmm. thin air right now, but you could maybe argue, okay, uh, the estates were owned by a nobleman who had uh, contacts in, where in, 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 in the peer group that is was just used to paying higher prices for everything. And so it's based on uh, the kind of <laughs> network you were in. Yeah, exactly. You can, you can also thought like that and it will be relevant. Uh, I think if we uh, start everything back, uh, uh, we gave uh, the same chance for everyone. Yes. And then at the end, you create a specific uh, jury with uh, 100 experts, uh, wine experts, uh, men and women, and uh, everything. everyone tastes uh, blind all the wines produced in Bordeaux and uh, ask them to create a new ranking blind tasting. It will be probably different. But, but it isn't and it won't. And uh, part of the success story of Bordeaux is exactly that it is like this. It system. is like this. It is yeah. like this. And um, I've talked to a female winemaker uh, from Chateau Carsin. Chateau Carsin, yeah. They are remarkable. You, you just immediately see the bottles mm -hmm. because of mm -hmm. the labels. And um, she told me uh, she sometimes has problems in foreign markets. Because, uh, yes, on one side, her wines are very good and eco organic produced, and yep. she really cares yep. about that. On the other side, uh, she's not one of the old chateaus mm. with reputation, and she just loses the marketing competition because of that. So, uh, I think uh, this must be true for lots of winemakers. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, how can you compete? Because also in other countries, uh, sometimes you're drinking uh, a Bordeaux wine, not to drink wine, but to drink, uh, to, to, to show that you're part of uh, a certain group that certain has group of access. People. Exactly. Yes, 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 uh, yes. In France, most of the time you drink wine uh, because uh, you can find wine everywhere. Uh, and because you saw your grandparents and your parents drink wine, like for ages, and uh, you... Uh, you, f you certainly know someone that produces wine, so you drink wine. But if you go in country where they don't produce any wine, you're... It's yeah. a luxury good, yes. Yeah, it's a luxury good. Yeah. If you go in, in Asia, uh, drinking Bordeaux wine, show the, to your neighbors that you're uh, reaching a new category of, of people uh, in the society. Hmm. Uh, so w when people buy the wine for this reason and not for the hedonist reason, the just discover a soil, to discover uh, the story of family, and to, to have something good uh, for your health. Not especially good for your health, because of course this is alcohol, but also good for the, for the planet. Because when you're doing good things in the vineyards, uh, doing everything organic, it could be good for... Um, how to say it in English? Uh, biodiversity? If, yeah, I mean, if, if you respect everything, it's, it's part of the biodiversity. Wine growing at the moment is quite a monoculture. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Uh, and and you're, if you're looking for specific estates, also in Bordeaux, in Alsace, in Beaujolais, 
some of are, are, are doing just like we did before, 200 years ago. They're starting to bring back animals in the, yes. in the vineyards. They're starting to bring back uh, forests, um, what we call agroforesterie uh, in France. That means if you get uh, 50 hectares for your estates, you have to plant like uh, 10 hectares of, uh, of vineyards, but you also have to get uh, wheats, uh, corns, uh, pigs, uh, cows, um, uh, I don't know how to say, arbres fruitiers, uh, trees with uh, fruits, yes. uh, some place for the bees, some place for everything. Is this a strictly biodynamic idea or is this uh, true depending on the size of the winery? Um, I mean, it's it's uh, people do this. They you are not forced to do it. It's an idea of how to run your business. Yeah, it's an idea. They, they are, for, for the moment, they, they are not forced to you to do it. Yes. Maybe in 20 years we will say, okay, guys, you do like this or you don't. But you you can't just continue to. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, the, we have this uh, uh, European Green Deal going on at the moment that I think is a step in this direction, which uh, limits the use of. Uh, of soil yep. to leave some space for just wild growth yeah nothing <laughs> this is going yeah. to come back somehow and um i i want to um to to switch um perspective one more time mm -hmm. so uh, you said it's it's uh, hard to compete and hard yeah. to sell um when i was if i was a winemaker mm -hmm. here and i wanted to sell my wine to a person like you yep with a bar Mm -hmm. or who is working as as merchant also yep. how do i sell to you like wh what are you looking for what would give me advantage over the hmm. others uh that's that's a really really good question uh i think one of the most relevant uh, example in the wine industry in bordeaux uh it could looks li like stupid or sounds stupid But most of the time, they are using really, really old-fashioned labels in Bordeaux. Yes. Perfectly irrelevant if you want to sell the wine because no one is going to buy a bottle with a with a really, really old-fashioned labels. You think so? Yeah, definitely. What we learned is if you have no real attributes why your wine should be bought, make it look like a Bordeaux. Let me, uh, if you can do, we can do a pause. Let me show you an example. Yes. I'm going to bring two different mm -hmm. labels. Okay, so now we have four bottles on the table and we've uh, taken pictures. So you can go to my uh, Instagram account and check the photos. I have a highlight about my Bordeaux trip. And I mean, it's like hundreds of photos, but <laughs> you have to go through them. We see Mondeau, Chateau, Gombaud, Guillot, yes. La Latrique and Chateau Eau. Exactly. Uh, so unfortunately, I don't have bad example for the um, for the labels. I only have good examples. I told you uh, you can't use this kind of old-fashioned labels uh, because people will don't want to uh, to drink drink it if the label is not okay. Th those one looks like a bit old label, right? But they were designed. Uh, years ago, few years ago, because they start with the uh, old uh, code, let's say, the old codes of the appellation, and they try to do something uh, contemporain, mm -hmm. contemporary, um, and it's really, really nice done, because it looks like old, but it's also uh, 
kind of trendy. It's okay to sell that kind of labels in 2022. Mm. Uh, it's, it stays really beautiful. Classic, really classic, for example, for Pesach Leonion, this one, but really, really nice. Sometimes winemakers get uh, labels really, really, really horrible with, uh, you see that kind of brilli uh, brilliant paper? Yes. Uh, all way of, it doesn't work. People see that, say, Okay, so they're, they look they're like stuck 50 years ago. Yeah, they look like supermarket uh, wines yeah, uh, from right, exactly, the 17s. Exactly. Like, uh, <laughs> Two-colored. Yeah. <laughs> if it looks like this, you know that it, it will probably go in the supermarkets. Yes. So we don't like it. It's, it's, uh, it's, it, it could sound stupid once again, but if you sell your wine to the, the supermarket, it's okay. It's not a bad thing, but you can sell it to a wine bar. Because we don't want to find the same bottle in the wine bar and in the supermarket. That's really, really a French thing. A, a French thing also. Uh, you have to think about your distribution process. You sell to the supermarket or you sell to the what we call uh, on-trade. Uh, so uh, café, hotel, restaurant, bar à vin, uh, caviste. You can sell to both. It's, it, will, it, will, it will not work. Yes. Will not work. Except if you're, uh, if I if I change the design, if I create two yeah, product categories, this yeah, is possible. Yeah, it, it could be okay because it's not that the wine is not good enough to be present in the wine bar. It's just that, uh, it's just that yeah, people uh, people don't want to see the same label or the same estate name in the supermarket and in the wine bar, and I think that's normal. Yeah, I mean, it's also uh, a thing like, wh why should I come here and drink wine here if exactly. I just buy it for yeah, a few exactly. euros next door? Um, okay, so if I want to, to sell to you, I need to be specific about the distribution channel I'm yeah. going in. And you don't have to lie, because most of the time you can find producers that will say, oh, no, 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 I don't sell to the supermarket. And then it's September, it's like the, um, what we call Foire au Vin, so the wine fair, wine fair in September in all the supermarkets in France. And sometimes you see a estate and you, what? This, you can find it in the supermarket and you're like, no way, it's not possible. And I think it's a shame. Is this true with, um, like, if you just sell to a supermarket once, like, in, if you think about a special action, or is it true if they are regularly listed in the supermarket? Yeah. I mean, this obviously. Yeah, of course. If they are listed uh, all, all years long in the supermarket, it's not going to be okay. Yes. For example, it's maybe the, the, the wine fair of September is the only moment of the year or we can tolerate that the estates sell to a supermarket. Because wine fair is not exactly the same than the rest of the year. So, for example, you can find the Cru Classé in the supermarket during the wine fair. Of mm -hmm. September, if you go to Leclerc, Auchan, uh, Carrefour, you will find the uh, top uh, top rankings uh, wine mm -hmm. in supermarkets. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay, and uh, maybe we can go into another topic. I don't know if you want to talk about it, but it's super interesting to me. Um, in Germany, when you get taught how to do the calculation for your wine price, mm -hmm. they say, yeah, think about 25% for the merchant, roughly. And when I worked in uh, the wine reselling business, mm -hmm. I mean, we were talking about 30% minimum, 40% to have a merchant that can live from that, and 50% yep. if we talk about pellets. Okay. So this is uh, roughly the reality mm -hmm. compared to what they teach you in school. 
Yeah, yeah. So. Uh, in, in France, for example, when you're doing a, a business of selling wine, uh, if you're a caviste, okay, so if you're a seller in Bordeaux, uh, most of the time you will buy your bottle, uh, what we call hors tax, so without the taxes. Yes. Uh, imagine you buy it uh, 10 euros, uh, X, uh, XVAT, I think mm -hmm. that's how you say. You buy, you buy the bottle 10 euros XVAT, you sell it 20 Uh, including taxes in your in your shop, right? Yes. Uh, it's an average. So you sell it netto for like 18 euros. Yeah, exactly. Uh, if you're a wine bar like us, uh, it will be 30 euro. Okay, you buy it 10 uh, 10 euro. Mm -hmm. You sell it. Uh, do you do you euro. use this? Uh, I I buy it and then I three times the price and sell it whatever the cost or do you say i have to earn x amount per bottle no, no, no matter depends of the bar for example uh, because this is the the like the old old school style yeah. where wines <laughs> can get really expensive really fast exactly yeah i don't see the reason to do it when you have like high-priced wines and you want people to come actually yeah so. the, 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 that's the thing you can find here for example um uh, if i take an example uh Some wines on my wine list will be at uh, a lower price in the bar than on internet. Okay, for example, let's say uh, if you want to drink uh, uh, Chateau Rayas, which is uh, impossible to find, uh, or uh, the price are going uh, up really, really fast those times. Now, sometimes it's 2,000 a bottle. Uh, so, yeah, stupid. Um, here, you can buy it for 300 and it will be uh, 1,000 on the internet. And why don't I come... Uh, ah, you open it here, so I can buy it and resell exactly. it. Exactly, yeah. You ah. have to drink it in the bar. All right, understand. And that's one of the things you have to do when you're a wine bar, to keep the price down, to keep the price at a good price, so people will continue to buy and drink the bottles here in the bar, and not uh, not in, uh, in their house. And the, the winemakers trust us to continue to sell at a good price, and to sell in the bar so they continue to give us bottle yeah kind of understand um, on the other side if i was a winemaker and i know okay i can sell my bottles for 2000 per bottle you are the one ruining my price aren't you i mean yeah. I, i i i kind of get that they yeah. have this um that they have this uh, maybe long-term uh, friendship going on with you yep. and stuff. But mm -hmm. I mean, there's le leading your own brand in terms of price logic is also very important. Yep, definitely. Uh, so uh, explain a bit more how, um, how it is done. Yeah. It's, it's only offer and demand. Uh, and the winemakers, he, he knows that sometimes uh, somewhere on the planet, people are paying 2000 for the bottle. You get this advantage because you are like a brand ambassador for the wine. wine yeah, a bit. Yes. Yeah, exactly yes. a bit. And also we are long-term partners. Uh, we start buying the wine to this guy since the beginning of the bar, so 12 years ago. Uh, 12 years ago, nobody paid 2,000 for one of the bottles. 12 years ago, maybe the guys, the guy was was struggling to sell every bottle every year. Uh, so then there stays uh, loyal, I guess. And that's a good thing because uh, uh, he earns quite enough money uh, by selling the bottles. Uh, for example, 
uh, when I think about Chateaurias, imagine he sells uh, the bottles 100 euros, okay, 100 euros a bottle. No yes. bottles on earth uh, costs 100 euros to produce. Even the, the best wine in the world to produce, it will be uh, maybe the Sautern or the Trockenbirn Auschleser because they are really, yes. really specific wine to produce. So yes, 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 because you have this ultra low exactly. quantity. So the, yeah. the, okay, okay, okay. Good thing. I talk about this a lot. What is the real production value of wine? The maximum amount of money after which the brand or the limitation starts to me yes. and based on what i learned and yes. what i saw when yes. i worked in different estates yes even if you take the best bottle the best cork yes the best label and you put the best wine in it it's impossible that your bottle costs more than 30 euros to produce today i impossible. when i, when I uh, raised this question for myself the first time it was like 10 years before And uh, I said 20 euros. Yeah. So which today would be yeah. roughly 30 euros maybe. Mm. So we come to the same conclusion. Everything yeah. above this is limitation, is yeah. brand, is demand, exactly. is whatever. Yep. But in terms of wine Profits. quality, <laughs> I mean, you, you have like a certain amount of liters you can put in a barrel. Yeah. Yes. And yep. <laughs> that's the pure production cost. I mean, you, you can you can go and cut grass by hand, but that is just nonsense. Yep. Uh, okay. So that's the yeah that's the maximum. So the guy is already selling the bottle 100 euros. Okay? So even if the bottle costs 30 for each bottle he, he earns 70 euros. I think he earns quite more. So okay, now at the end guys are uh, buying purchasing the bottle 2000 euros but who cares? Not the winemakers, not us. It's of offer and demand, and if people are crazy enough to spend 2,000 euros for the bottle... Why stop them? Go for it, okay? And probably it will, uh, the money will... Uh, trickle down. Trickle down to <laughs> other people, and everybody will eat and drink, and it's okay. Okay with that. I'm not going to pay in 2,000, but if people want, hmm. that's their problem. <laughs> What do you think... Uh... What's the percentage a uh, merchant like you needs today to have a good living? Because I see in, in Germany, and I can, ex I, I suppose it's the same here, that you have a, the small merchants are dying out. Mm -hmm. They get less and less. They get replaced by chains, like uh, in Germany, Jacques Weindepot. Jacques Depot. Okay. I don't know if you have it here. Mm, it's like sure. a French style uh, a franchise system of wine stores. So you have okay. these big, big, big chains. Mm -hmm. Much of them are owned by the Havesco uh, yep. wine. Uh, uh, what is concern in English? Wine. I'm missing the word. Whatever, you know what I'm talking mm -hmm. about. And uh, so if I, as winemaker, want to make sure that my small merchants don't die out, how should I treat them? Because I know there are winemakers who say, yeah, you get your 15% and you be, be happy that you get bottles from me. And on the other side, if I give you more money, you are also incentivized to buy, uh, to sell more of the wine. Definitely. Uh, yeah, if you want to support the small business. Uh, I mean, how do I sell to you? That was the basic question. Uh, yeah. Uh, if you want to support the small business, uh, continue to sell your wine to the small business and not to the big one. Or at least... Uh, when I'm thinking about different winemakers, uh, like I told you at the beginning, let's take the same example. They got 1,000 1, case uh, 
box of wine to sell. Uh, if there are uh, 100 people that ask you for wine, give everybody the same thing and everybody will compete with the same amount of wine. Uh, if you say, oh, you're a small, uh, you're a really, really small company, I only give you one box, and they are a big company, I give them uh, half of the production. Of course, if they got half of the production, they will sell to everyone and make a shitload of money, and the, the small one will only sell the box to uh, an importer in another country, and that's all. So yeah, if you want to preserve the small companies, uh, continue to sell them the wine. And it will be okay. And if you want to sell to company like me, um, the best way of doing it is to come to the bar, because people call me every uh, all day long uh, on the phone, by email, on Instagram. You are overrun by yeah to to sell me wine. So, uh, and uh, I'm I think I'm quite uh, gentle because most of the time I say okay come. Uh, Come and we're gonna taste the wine. Also, I'm always happy to taste wine, whatever the wine is. For example, this morning uh, I got a, I got a tasting with a guy. He represents a new company called Les Amis Vignerons. It's a, a group a groupment of more than 100 winemakers. They create a, a specific um, entrepôt. Uh, uh, how to call it? Uh, a warehouse. Mm -hmm. They create a specific warehouse. Uh, all the winemakers send their wine here, and then they they, they have a specific person who uh, deal with the stock and and they uh, they uh, they send the wine everywhere in France to different uh, small business like me, to different uh, wine bars like me. So it's a new company, three years old, and can it's you, a really. Can you uh, bring me in contact with him? Because yeah, sure. I would like to explore the system. Yeah, yeah. Les amis de les, am euh, les amis vignerons, les, les plus loin amis, plus loin vignerons. It's a bit like a cooperative. Yes. But they, they, are, they are not uh, uh, helping each other to produce, but they are helping each other to distribute. Yeah. So it's Which really interesting. The biggest part of, yeah, the of biggest selling the wine. Company. Yeah, definitely. Yes, yes, interesting. Cool. Okay, so uh, I, yeah, I should come here. Uh, if I want to sell to you, um, let, let's do this uh, and um, give out some greetings to Philip. Um, we have <laughs> a winemaker <laughs> I already interviewed in my German podcast, uh, Philip Sauer. Yeah. And he uh, he just started like his own wine production, uh, some very few amounts of bottles, uh, and he created them in wineries of his friends. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> super funny story. And uh, somehow his wine gets sold. Yeah. How did this happen? Uh, yeah, it's, it's an interesting story. Uh, that's what we call um, uh, vin de garage in France, so gara uh, garage, garage wine. wine. Yes. Um, so the guy came uh, in holidays uh, here in Bordeaux and on, on the ocean, and uh, he, one day he stopped at the bar uh, in the evening. Uh, I remember it was on the terrace because it was during summer. He was with the, I think his girlfriend or. Something like this. Uh, they came, they and they have a bottle of wine, and they ask for something kind of specific. And uh, most of the time, you can know a lot of who people are by the bottle they are choosing in the bar. Um, so they ask for a specific thing. So I bring them the bottle and I ask them, "Are you in the wine industry, maybe, or something?" And he told me, "Yeah, sure. Uh, I'm, we are both uh, wine wine students in Germany." Uh, They, they were doing quite the same courses that I did in France. 
Uh, and I'm also a producer. I produce a garage wine uh, in, in Mosul. Uh, I was like, oh, well, sure. I was like, okay, so give me a bolus and, and we try it right now. It was like, eh, I'm sorry, I didn't, I was not sure to come here at the beginning, so I don't have any bottles on me. I was like, oh, what a shame, uh, and you're going back to Germany? He says, I can come back tomorrow, let's say, at 11 o'clock in the morning. I grab a bottle of wine, and we try it together. Uh, okay, I, I'd be delighted to do that with you. So they continue their their evenings together, and I uh, handle the, the bar, of course. <laughs> That's my job. And um, and to the, the, the day after, he came back with a bottle. We tried it. It was uh, really, really good. Really good wrestling. And I really, really like wrestling. He was lucky to find me. Mm. Uh, so uh, I say, yeah, okay, I like it. Uh, how can you ship me wine? Uh, so he was thinking about maybe his parents uh, were uh, going in vacation near Bordeaux one month later. So at the beginning, he said, okay, maybe they can take the camping car and bring the wine. So we we figure it out. And uh, finally, say, okay, I'm going to ship the wine through the... Uh, a German company that will bring the wine in France, etc. So we were okay on the price. Uh, then he sent me uh, he sent me the wine a uh, few weeks a uh, few weeks after. Uh, and then now I got his uh, his wine in the bar, and I think I'm maybe one of the only wine bars in France that uh, proposed the wrestling from Philip Sauer uh, on the wine list. He's on the wine list now. <laughs> I bet also some of the very few wine bars in the whole world because uh, I mean it's really yeah, it's, it's a really a small really specific wine. <laughs> exactly, yes, it's very funny. Just, story. just a bit like the wine we we had. It's only two thousand bottle a year. Yes. So yeah, it's really specific to drink that kind of wine. And it's really interesting. And Philip Sauer was so so nice with uh, with me, with us, uh, and I was really really happy to have the the, the wines. Uh, it was really 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 great. Uh, uh, also, um, uh, then he sent me the he sent me the the bill. And the thing is, I'm the I'm the manager and the, the everyday. Uh, uh, yeah, I did everything here. But yeah. uh, there is an owner. His bar, uh, he's not here. Uh, so you, uh, so you're manager of the bar. Yeah, the yeah, ex exactly. You, you rent it, or is this no, your business? It's, uh, you are, no, it's you a kind of. Uh, so you are the the manager and the sommelier. And yeah, I did. I do everything here. Ah, I do okay, everything. Okay, I but there's still a, a owner. The owner also is uh, uh, dealing the contability and dealing the relation with the some suppliers uh, that he had ten years ago, and. Uh, Yeah, and uh, and we're really really happy to have the the wine from from Philip here. Mm. Really really good. Okay, yeah. So uh, the story is nice, and uh, people who want to listen to it, you need to uh, be fluent in German. But uh, there's chance in my German podcast. I think it's among the first fifteen episodes somewhere, and it's about uh, selling wine on Twitch on the online gaming platform, <laughs> which is also <laughs> something he tried. <laughs> how how I uh, found him. So he's very funny, and I actually I owe a credit to Philip. Uh, because um, not only that he is a fun guy, um, he uh, really made me think about uh, getting sponsors because he had his labels sponsored and his bottles and like he just went around asking people, okay, I'm doing this, can you help me? And uh, <laughs> it was quite successful. And here I am, I have a whole camping car sponsored to drive Truly. around. Yes, because I do this podcast. And and Philip was the one, uh, when, when I heard this, I was like, okay, Dude, I, I, I need to get sponsors somehow, and it's super successful, actually. So, uh, thanks, Philip. <laughs> thanks a lot. <laughs> Chapeau to you, and uh, yeah, we will come back. And um, 
I don't know how much time you have left. Uh, uh, I, I didn't look at the. Yeah, uh, we'll have to <laughs> to get back to work uh, as okay, soon as so I then, can. So then uh, I would like to end this with one last topic that you just opened. Uh, that is a bit of psychology, understanding people by the bottle they choose. You talk said yep. said this. Okay, uh, what kind of people? How do I? How do I? Uh, What no sorry. What do I learn about a person by the bottle they choose? Um, yeah, it's a really really interesting topic. Uh, like I told you for uh, Philip when he came to the bar, he asked for uh, if I remember well, maybe a wine from Olivier Piton, which is a French winemaker, but not necessarily really famous. It's a bit like a, a, con a connoisseur choice. You're not going to choose this specific bottle among 1,200 bottles uh, with luck. Or you have maybe one chance over a million, over 1,200. Uh, so if you ask for this specific bottle most of the time, that means you are um, aware of the wine industry and of the small good winemakers that you can find. Uh, Also, if you're uh, asking for a, a big bottle of a big estate in Bordeaux, really expensive, uh, most of the time, unfortunately, I know that people are here to to drink the meat, not especially the the wine. And I don't say that really, really expensive wine are not good. That's not what I'm saying. But um, most of the time, uh, people are paying for the label, yes, or paying for the. The famousness of the of the estates, unfortunately, and sometimes they are doing both. They pay for the label, but they enjoy uh, an incredible wine because most of the time it could be incredible wine, and I'm okay with that. But uh, yeah, also people who buy the the first line in the wine list, the the cheaper wine, you know that they are they are here because they like the wine, but uh, they are drinking wine, they are drinking red wine, or they are drinking. Red Bordeaux, they are not doing a, a, an appellation, a specific appellation, or a specific way of producing the wine, or an organic wine. Uh, they want to drink wine, also because this is a even in France a, a social thing to go out in a wine bar and have a bottle of wine with your friends. But some they have no no internal connection to the whole wine. Not culture. especially here. Uh, that's what is really interesting here in the the bar au Quatre Coins du Vin. You have uh, totally different kind of customers. You can you can have wine experts. Sometimes they are more aware of the wine industry than me, so they uh, teach me something. They uh, I can learn several th several several things of on specific estates because the customer uh, work with the estate or is the, the the owner of the chateau sometimes. And also I have people that know nothing about wine and they go straight to me and say, okay. I like wine. I like wine, but I don't know anything about wine. And it's okay to don't know anything. And I prefer someone who is uh, aware that his knowledge are really bad in wine. And he told me that. I said, okay, we're going to start with the beginning. I'm going to give you the good tips to, to taste well, uh, to improve your skills, to know what you like. Because the thing is, you have to drink something that you like. It's really important. The the best bottle in the world is the one you like. And people really need to understand that. You don't have to pay a, 
200 euros for a bottle, drink it and say, yeah, well, it wasn't really, really good or I'm not sure I understand what I drink. drink. Uh, you can have a really, really great moment with a 10 euros bottle of wine and that there's no problem with it. Um, so, yeah, I can find quite different customers in the bar and that's really, really interesting because the, we get a bottle for each people outside. So that's what I like on the wine list here because you have more than 1,000 references and all those references represent one people who will like this bottle. So it's quite cool. Yeah, I think this is a very good uh, point to stop this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having me, Piero. This was, yeah, Piero. This was uh, lots of fun. I really loved yeah, the conversation. Thank you, Diego. It was nice. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we will prepare a small list for all the people listening uh, so they can recreate the experience and the journey <laughs> that we talked about. And I hope to come back soon and have another conversation because I think we could have lots of topics to talk about. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of glass of wine with. <laughs> Now, this was so much fun. Uh, you should have been there, but uh, really you can go there and visit him. Uh, you will immediately recognize him. He has quite an impressive beard and he has extreme knowledge about Bordeaux wines. And the cool thing is uh, one of the chateaus we talked about, Chateau Le Puy, really invited me to an interview. So uh, later on in the series, uh, you can learn more about the fascinating history and wines of Chateau Le Puy. So stay tuned. And if you like conversations like these, as always, please recommend this podcast to a friend. Thank you.